exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinku and I will be your host for the next hour as usual. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. How are you doing, Megan? I'm doing fabulous. Glad to be back. Great to have you back. How was that uh, student council meeting? Oh gosh, I, we don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was such a, it's such a small town that it, it was it was interesting to a certain extent. Okay, we won't, we won't put down the small town city council <laughs> meetings on this show, but let's move on. Um, a lot to get to on today's show. Uh, very exciting weekend in college football. Uh, you have the Michigan State Spartans playing Northwestern. We'll get to some of that. Definitely talk about the Lions and uh, their upcoming game next week. Uh, they will be playing the Washington Redskins. We're going to talk a little preview of the World Series, which kicks off on Wednesday. Uh, also, uh, going to talk a little bit of a controversial call in the NFL this weekend and see what, uh, see what folks think about that. And as always, the bizarre and interesting facts to end the show. But let's kick off the show. Let's get it going. All right, the Michigan State Spartans uh, were at Evans, were at Ryan Field this weekend facing the Northwestern Wildcats, and it was a heck of a game. Uh, this game took every second of the clock, pretty much. You couldn't rest. You couldn't be calm. Every State fan was cringing in their seats. I tell you, me that whole first half had me on pins and needles, and I think the second half even more so, but in a good way. Uh, the Spartans did win the game. They won it 35-27. to uh, they they just came out and really did a great job in the second half. Uh, this team in the first half, yet again, this is two weeks in a row where the Spartans just don't look composed. They don't look that solid in the first half. Uh, you know, Dan Persa really got the best of us, just really escaping when he when the pressure was on. I mean, there were so many times I thought he was going to get sacked, and he just he got away. Uh, he's a fast kid. He's a strong kid, and uh, you know he you know I got to give Persa a lot of credit. He really played a well. He played a good game. Uh, he was 18 for 20. For 187 yards, and he actually ran for 46 yards, three rushing touchdowns. But let's stop complimenting Northwestern. <laughs> I just, I, I just, I am impressed with Dan Purse. I really think he's a really good quarterback, so I do want to give him some credit. But all the credit, in my opinion, really, no, really needs to go to Kirk Cousins. Right. Kirk Cousins, 29 for 43, 329 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. This kid played an airless game of football. He played. You know, he, the running game wasn't working. The running game wasn't working all game. This is two weeks in a row now, yet again, where the other defense has figured us out when it comes to the running attack. Uh, we really had nothing going, 105 total yards, only running the ball. And I just have to say, Megan, I mean, Kirk Cousins, this kid, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in this in this league. He doesn't get the credit he ever deserves. I mean, he played a phenomenal game, and Kirk Cousins... You know, if you're listening out, you played a great game. Congratulations! You're the one. You put the team on your back. You didn't get, you know, you didn't get rattled. You didn't get. You kept your composure, and you just got it done. And all the credit in the world, uh, Megan. I know you obviously watched the game. I assume. Yes. Uh, what did you take from this game? Uh, I agree with. I'm glad we were a second half team. I mean, yeah. we've known Michigan State previous years as being first half team, and then blow it in the second half, and. It looks like our first half, we were back to preseason, getting ready for the season. That's how I felt like watching it. I watched the first 
quarter and a half, and I was about ready to turn the TV off and call it a day. And, yeah, I was pretty upset. Yeah, and I'm glad that they could come out and turn it around. You were talking about Kirk Cousins um, passing 352 yards compared to our rushing 105. It's we, we started off as such a rushing team, and we were so good at that, but teams yeah. are starting to figure us out. I mean, this is our eighth game of the season. Obviously, they figured us out by now, and we did a good transition between going from rushing and we were able to pick it up with the passing. And, you know, I think that's a lot of the reason why they could pull off this win after such a, a heartbreaking first half. Yeah, I mean, it was just a really tough first half. You just you had the feeling, I mean, just they couldn't get anything going, I have to admit. I mean, Northwestern's defense was uh, doing a good job. Yeah, that fumble really killed us there at midfield with Edwin Baker. Um, I, I saw that drive as being a drive to get us right back in this game. And, I mean, good thing that, you know, you know, I know at that point we basically, what, we forced the fumble on the one-yard line. Mm-hmm. Uh, we couldn't get anything going, basically no. a three and out. And we, we held them to a field goal, which was very important. Uh, you know, it was only a 10 nothing game. I know it did get to 17 nothing, but good job by Michigan State to at least make this game close by halftime. It was 17-7. to That was that was imperative. They needed to get some points on the board. It didn't matter if it was a field goal or a touchdown. They needed to score. I feel like we were really relying on our defense during that first half. Uh-huh. We were just hoping for them to pull us through that first half and then hopefully come back out and pull something out of our butts and get out there and play the game that we should have been playing the whole entire time. Yes, and I mean, you know, what I want to give Michigan State credit for is they have they make they, this is two weeks in a row yet again I'm saying this two weeks in a row because this game and the game against Illinois I, I feel a lot of similarities uh, between them they they make the halftime adjustments they find ways to win and that's what is different about this team than any other Spartan team I've watched in my lifetime is that they have found ways to win games when you don't think that they can win games when they went into that half I got to tell you I was feeling you know I mean I wasn't I wasn't counting the Spartans out I mean I knew there's a whole second half of football to play but at the same time I did know that D'Antonio is going to make the adjustments and this team realizes the privilege they had being 7 and 0 and that you lose this game to Northwestern honestly you know kiss the rest of it goodbye the rest of this season I mean yeah you'll get a nice New Year's Day bowl game but in my opinion, that would be a disappointment to all of Spartan Nation and the whole state in general. And, you know, they, they found a way to win this game with Keyshawn Martin going out. You know, that was tough. Benny Fowler came in there, and he did a phenomenal job. 22-yard run there in the third quarter. You know, make this game 17-14 to very early in the third to kind of get Northwestern on their heels. And I like that. You know, put the pressure back on them. And, you know, B.J. Cunningham, Mark Dell, these kids, they show that they... <laughs> I mean, B.J. Cunningham with that grab he made in the end zone there in the fourth with two minutes left. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just kept you know kept his eye on the ball, brought it in with his left hand. I mean, Cunningham had 113 yards. Dell, 107, two touchdowns for Dell, one touchdown for Cunningham. Uh, these guys were phenomenal. I, I can't even look past Nickel, Fowler. I mean, everyone did their job in the second half. It was a team effort. And yet again, D'Antonio got a little ace up his sleeve. The fake punt on 4th and 11, which, you know, just scary. And, you know, they caught Northwestern off guard, and they got it. Again, Bates, you know, shows that he was a quarterback in high school, and he hit Benny Fowler there for the nice 21-yard game, and then, boom, 15-yard reception in the end zone. And you know what? It was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic. I just want to give the Spartans all the credit in the world for actually winning this game. This was a tough game on the road. I understand Northwestern really hadn't played. Uh, you know, a decent opponent to this point of the season. But at the same time, any game like this on the road, especially when you're 7-0 and and you have a bullseye on your back like Michigan State does right now, is going to be a tough game. Yep. They pulled it out. They kept the penalties in check. 
four penalties for only 30 yards, which is something me and Johnny were talking about on last week's show, you need to limit the penalties. When you're struggling, you can't be shooting yourselves in the foot. And they didn't do that. They took care of that. They took care of the ball. I know they did have that one fumble, but it was very early in the game. They didn't make those mistakes. They didn't make the mental errors when it came to the second half of this football game. And again, they found a way to win. That's what separates a good team from a great team. A team that can find ways to win when you don't think they have anything left up their sleeve. When they think they got nothing left in the tank, D'Antonio pulls out the mousetrap. He has Northwestern go for the cheese, yep. and they get trapped. And you know what? I mean, that, and that's what it takes. It takes guts. It takes kind of trickeration. It takes plays that you know defenses aren't looking at. Even though I know we obviously had the fake punt against Notre Dame, it's not something that most you know defensive uh, coaches are thinking that you're going to go for often, especially on a fourth and eleven. There, this isn't a fourth and five, a fourth and one. Fourth and eleven is difficult to convert, no matter what play you're calling. And again, I mean, good job by the Spartans. Um, now, Megan, looking at this game, though, what was something, looking, looking towards next week, what is something that you know, worries you, that you think the Spartans need to work on, something that they, just, they need to improve on? Because I know they can't play a first half like this against Iowa no. and win this game next week. Absolutely not. We will dig ourselves a hole. Worse than the 17-0 that we did at the end of the first quarter if we play... Uh, Iowa, like that first half we had on Saturday. Yes. Um, I mean, I want something that I we talked about earlier is, yeah, they did pick up their passing uh, yards, and they did kind of kill their, their rushing yards. I kind of want that to even out. Uh-huh. I don't want them to be so reliant on their passing yards um, that their rushing is below 100 yards. I want them to be able to do both and execute both effectively, and they need to in order to beat Iowa. Iowa's a great team. I, we can't underestimate them because they lost to Wisconsin and we beat Wisconsin. There's no, there's no way we can underestimate them that, with that kind of thing. I just want them to be able to, to execute plays, both rushing and passing plays, and... um Another thing is just not be so reliant on our defense. We do have a de- we do have a decent defense. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we actually yeah. have we have a, a very a very decent defense. Uh, you know, Michigan State right now is only holding they're holding opponents only eighteen points a game, and uh, that's fantastic. Iowa. They're holding opponents to 15.7 points a game, which is 11th right now in college football. Uh, you know, they are, they are a great defensive team as well. Uh, Iowa barely, barely lost this, this weekend to Wisconsin, 31-30. to That game could have went either way. Basically, I think Wisconsin won that game because they had the ball last. Uh, you know, Iowa, they did have a chance there at the end, but a uh, bad play call, a little, you know, fl- flick pass. I don't know if you saw that play. They flipped Mm-mm. it. Yeah, they flipped it to the, uh, you know, the running back right there up, you know, in front because the quarterback had pressure. He couldn't get out of bounds. They had no timeouts left. They had 12 seconds. They, I think it was a bad call timeout by uh, the coach. And, you know, Stans, he made a poor decision instead of just throwing it away. Again, that game could have went either way. It was a bit, I mean, it's just some great college football this weekend in general. You had the Missouri-Oklahoma game where, yet again, number one goes down. Mm. And uh, for all of you that somehow have not seen or looked at the BCS standings yet, let's enlighten you. Uh, right now, Auburn sits atop the BCS standings at uh, their 8-0. Oregon's 2, Boise State is 3, TCU is 4, and Michigan State is in the top 5. Woo-hoo. Which is absolutely incredible. This is actually the first time they're in the top five since I believe they started doing this in like 1991, 1992 is what I read earlier this weekend. And it's absolutely incredible. I mean, right now you only have seven unbeans left in the country. And those unbeans also include Utah, Missouri, and that's it. Those are your unbeatens. Now... This is what I want to get to. We're gonna t- let's talk a little bit about this Iowa game, but then I want to talk a little bit more about these BCS standings. Uh, with the Iowa game next week, 
it's going to be a real tough game, obviously. It's going to be in Iowa City. This game is a 3.30 game, so it's not a noon game. So all of you people going out Friday night, a little more time to sleep in. A little, you know, a little more time to get to the, you know, tennis courts if you feel like tailgating. Especially since they're behind us in time. Especially, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> so it's this is the game of the year for all of you Spartan fans out there, for all you football fans out there. This is the game. Everything else, you know, it's been great. It's been a nice run. They don't win this weekend. Honestly, the season's a disappointment. Mm-hmm. At least in my eyes, and I know that's in the team's eyes as well. It's a disappointment. If they don't get it done this weekend, I'm not. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be an excruciating, excruciating tough game. Excuse me. But if you want to go to the Rose Bowl, if you want to possibly give yourself a chance to go to the national championship game, you need to win this game. You can't lose this game. There's no question about it. Winning this game will pretty much guarantee you a spot in the Rose Bowl. Because we will be the only unbeaten team in the conference. Yep. Not to mention the only other, you know, we haven't lost a conference game. Yep. With Iowa losing last weekend to Wisconsin, they now have a loss. Ohio State has a loss. Wisconsin now has two losses in the Big Ten. And, I mean, after this week, I don't like looking ahead, but if we beat Iowa, you have Minnesota at home, Purdue at home, and Penn State on the road. That's pretty much it. I don't want to say it, but it's pretty much a guaranteed 12-0. and Minnesota's trash. Purdue's garbage. They got beat 49 to nothing by Ohio State this weekend. And Penn State, I tell you, if we're 11-0 at that point, I'm not worried about Penn State on the road because Michigan State knows where they're at. Right. The chance to go 12-0 is incredible. You'll never get that. I mean, who knows the next time you have an opportunity to go 12-0 again. So we're looking at this week. Megan, <laughs> do you think the Spartans will win? Why do you think they will win? And what do you think the score will be? Oh, so many questions you love. I know you love the score questions. Uh, I know. Score is always my favorite. Well, forget uh, about the score. That, that doesn't really matter. I don't. No, yeah. I mean, it's such a fifty-fifty game to me. It really is. It, it's there's so many things that could affect how if we win and how we win. Um, I mean, it depends on how Iowa comes out because we are away. It depends yes. on because I mean home home field advantage. I guess a lot of people don't take that into account, but it does kind of make a difference. Oh, it's, it's your, huge in college football. In your gigantic. in your crowd and just the everyone around you. Um, that's gonna I think one thing that's gonna affect if we win or not is if we take it as if it's a home game and we just play our game, or if we're gonna be like, oh, we're away. There's gonna be like no one here to support us. That kind of thing. Um, also, what I brought up earlier with the whole pass, passing rushing. Uh, on offense and everything, our defense has to stay strong for mm-hmm. sure um, in order to beat them. And we just have to execute. Just everything has to be done perfectly. Any mistakes we make are going to kill us. They really are. Iowa's gonna. I feel like they're going to capitalize on our mistakes and mm-hmm. just take it to the next level. And they're just going to just take like just put it to us and be yeah. like, "You screwed up. This is what we're going to do to you." Just Iowa just seems like one of those teams, especially after the, they lost to Wisconsin, um, that just wants revenge. Yeah, I mean they lost a heartbreaker, mm-hmm. and uh, at the same time, I can, I mean that could go one of two ways. That either gives you the motivation to come out and kick Michigan State's butt, or it kind of rattles you as a program because you know at this point, Michigan. I mean, I was looking to run the table. You know, they beat Wisconsin. I think they have all the confidence in the world to run the table, possibly at that point. And it's a tough loss. You lose by one. You lose basically because they, you know, Wisconsin had the ball last, and actually Wisconsin pulled off the same trickeration we did with a fake punt, and that's what got them right down there to the goal line, and you know, allowed them to take the lead there in the last minute. That game was back and forth both ways. I see this game going the same way. Mm-hmm. I see it just being, an, like you said, an extremely close game. Um, I'm going to pick the Spartans. I can't go against them. I have no reason to go against mm-hmm. them. Uh, I think the Spartans will win this game in a tight one. I think this game again, it's going to, you know, I think it's going to have uh, so many similarities to this. 
Wisconsin game. It's going to be very similar in the, just how close it is and how back and forth it is. Kirk Cousins has shown me that he's limited his mistakes. The guy doesn't throw picks really anymore. He makes sound decisions. And when the pressure's on, he does not crumble. You know, he, I, I believe in the second half on that drive, you know, he went like nine for nine in that drive just passing. You know, he wasn't missing his guys. He was putting it right there and he was getting it done. And uh, basically, like you said, they need to take care of the football. We don't, I don't want to see any fumbles. I don't want to see any like almost muff punts like we saw against Northwestern. Mm-hmm. I know they got the ball back, but don't scare me like that. And, you know, basically, you got to play a full game, Michigan State. You can't expect to just fix it at halftime. I'm also looking at last year, too. We did lose a close one to them last year. It depends on if we're going to come back and be like, let's kick their butts. They they beat us last year pretty close, pretty toward the end of the game, and it's revenge. Oh, yeah. I mean, they scored with three seconds left on the clock there last year at Spartan Stadium. That game was, again, a close, I mean, down to the last play. And I have a feeling that whoever has the ball last in this game, Probably will win this game. Yep. And, you know, Michigan State, they have a chance right now to just make history. Mm-hmm. To do something that we haven't seen, at least in, I haven't seen in my lifetime. Okay, I wasn't around with the Bubba Smith days, you know, back in the 60s, the Duffy Daughtry days. I was not around. And I know they had an amazing program back then. But now for all these new Spartans, all these new kids going to school here, and all the old fans still, this is a time for Michigan State to shine, to prove to the country that they're not a fluke, that they are more than just, oh, they got a weak schedule. Oh, they haven't really played anyone. You beat Iowa? I don't care who you are. No one's going to be discounting the Spartans. And now, this is why, really quickly, I want to get past this game, because I think, I mean, that's all I really can say about the game. We know it's going to be close. We know mm-hmm. it's going to go, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a heck of a game. You know, definitely, if you want to, tune in, because it's going to be something else. But what I want to get to is the BCS standings, because this has a lot to do with how Michigan State might progress if they do win this game. If you want to look right now, Auburn, like I said, they're at the top of the BCS standings at 8-0. Now, Auburn, they play Ole Miss next weekend, which is an SEC game. It's a, you know, it's a conference game. It's not going to be an easy game. Auburn definitely should probably win that game, though. Oregon, though, Oregon has to go to USC. They have to go to Southern Cal this weekend, and that's going to be a tough game. I'm really root. I never root for USC. I can't stand Southern Cal. I've been Lane, Lane Kiffin. I hate Lane Kiffin. I, I hate Lane Kiffin. I'm sorry. This guy's a joke. He's just he's garbage. But Lane Kiffin, you go out and beat those ducks because I need we need him to lose. You just need all these teams ahead of us to lose. Boise State, Boise State. I I have a feeling they run. They're going to run the table. Uh, Boise State right now is at number three. The only tough game they have left. They're at Nevada with like two weeks left in the season or so. And I mean that's a game you have to kind of circle. It's the only tough one they have. But uh, I just I have a hard time seeing them lose. That game, and then if you want to get to TCU because they're the only other team ahead of us right now, TCU does play a real tough game here in a couple weeks. They have to play Utah. Utah also right now is unbeaten, and they're at Utah, so that game is going to have a lot of implications for looking at the top five right now. So basically, let's go Utah, let's go USC, let's go Ole Miss. <laughs> we want these teams to lose because the top two are the ones going to the championship game. So at this point. You know, we need teams ahead of us to lose. If not, we will get a BCS bid, you know, a bowl bid, but you still got to beat Iowa. And that's why I said, you know, you you can look at what's going on with these other teams. You can look at, oh, well, if they win this game, they have a cupcake three games in a row. Next, everyone, get ready. Halloween weekend. I mean, you couldn't script it better. Mm. Halloween weekend at Iowa. I mean, too bad it's not here, but hey, at Iowa, 3.30, get ready. Get your popcorn ready. It's going to be a good game. Uh, You know, I love to give people their awards and what they've got for the week. We actually have three Spartans in for it this week. Fantastic. Uh, We have Kirk Cousins, who is the Offensive Player of the Week, 
And then MSU sophomore defensive end Tyler Hoover is the co-defensive player of the week. Awesome. Along with Aaron Bates, who did our awesome little cool fake punt. Aaron uh, Bates is great. Yeah, he's the co-special teams player of the week. Um, so uh, congratulations to them. I mean, I don't know if we've had three in before. I think two is the most we've had. Yeah, I think two. Yeah, usually like a Greg Jones. and then Yeah, Greg Jones. Greg Jones seems to dominate the right. Big Ten defensive player of the week. Right. He didn't get it this week, but they no. can't give it to him every week. So, I mean, you know, he needed, he got a week off there. But, um, you know, real fast, I want to say, you know, great job, D'Antoni. I'm real ha- I was real happy to see this guy back on the sidelines. And, you know, a real tough game to come right. back on the Definitely. sidelines. Um, a very stressful game, obviously. But uh, real fast, a little quote from D'Antonio. He said, quote, I wouldn't go out if I didn't think my health was good. I knew I would be able to be out there Wednesday or Thursday. I actually made the decision to go out there five minutes before the game. Because he knew how tough this game was going to be. And, you know, for a guy who's just recovering from a mild heart attack, you know, there's a lot of concern there. And, yeah, I mean, you know, he was doing a great job when he was in the box anyhow. But it was just great to see our guy on the sidelines there with his hoodie on when when it got nice outside and just, you know... Calling that mousetrap. I mean, I tell you, this guy, I want to, I want to see the, what the next name he has for this next, you know, funny play, this trick play he comes up with because, I mean, you got little giants, you got mousetrap. I mean, I just, I snicker every time he, you know, they interview him after the game when this stuff happens because right. it's just fantastic. Um, um I, well, I mean, I'm kind of interrupting you, but oh, no. anyway. Go ahead. I Interrupt all you want. Um, they're starting to do also the polling for Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about this earlier. Um, they have about 40 more days. It's been going on for about, I'm going to say about a week now. Yes. And D'Antonio is in second. And if you guys would like, you can check it out. It's coachoftheyear.com. And you can go ahead and vote for D'Antonio. And he will be up in the running. Top five's up in the running. Okay. And so as long as he stays top five, he's good. Again, it's coachoftheyear.com. Ahead of him is Gene Chizik from Auburn. Gene Chizik. And, and we're about 10, 10 five behind him. So about 10,500 votes behind him. So if you'd like, go ahead and vote. And yeah, we can, get, we can get him up there for Coach of the Year. And real fast, on a little down note with our Spartans... Chris L. Rucker, oh, who just loves to get in trouble, uh, he's actually he finally had his sentence. Uh, he is spending eight days in jail. He will get out this Thursday. Uh, his sentence was actually 10 days, but he got a day knocked off because he spent the night in jail after his DUI, and he gets another day off because in Ingham County, if you spend a week in jail, they knock a day off. So, nice little gift there. I guess if you spend over a week in jail, you get a day off, so that's fantastic. Congratulations for getting But, um, <laughs> honestly, I don't know where this uh, where this is going with Chris L. Rucker. I know we talked about it, and I think I agree with you. I have a feeling he's just going to be cut, up, cut from the team. Uh, two mistakes like this. Uh, you, you were on probation. I just, if you let him back on the team i almost feel like it's a glenn winston thing all over again and i you can't allow that you know you give someone a second chance and everyone deserves a second chance but this is you don't deserve a third chance Mm. and you know what we've gotten by without you you got you know trenton robinson he's doing a phenomenal job out there uh you know just you know we're getting it done darquis denard there's just there's no reason in, in any way to let this kid back on the team he's blown his chance it's a privilege to play college football it's a privilege to do this it's not a right i don't care how good you are and he's, in my opinion, blown his chance. Uh, you know, the kid is very talented and it is sad to lose him. I don't know for sure if D'Antonio is going to release him, but I think you need to send a message to your players to let you know you, you just can't do this. Because if they think if he comes back, then the other guys are going to think, well, shit, well, you know, shoot, if I do something else, then, you know, I'm going to and I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to be able to come back on the team. Agreed. And it's just, you know, you can't keep that up. Agreed. It's really not allowed. And, you know, Coach D'Antonio, like I said, needs to make. Just he needs to make a point here, and actually he's going to be talking about this Tuesday on his uh, at his press conference. So I think tomorrow we will find out whether uh, Chris L. Rucker is going to stay 
on this team or not. I don't see. I don't see a reason why he should. No, neither I, do I. I don't have. He it. was no. He was in the Rather Hall incident. He was on probation for that, and then he gets a DUI. And I know it wasn't a bad DUI. It was a point one zero. Doesn't matter. It's a DUI. You're not. You know. You're just not being responsible. Come on. You don't have anyone that can drive you around. You got someone. Just call a cab. Right. I mean, I. You know, it's just too many. It's too many dumb decisions. You're on a great football team that's making a deep run this year, and you pull some stunt like that. I just—it's garbage to me. You can't do that. Now, real fast on a light note, I remember you talking to me about something with uh, T.J. Duckett, mm. and um, I, I definitely think we should let our <laughs> listeners uh, hear about this. You want everyone to hear about this? Um, yes. I was invited to a Facebook group, and I mean, over fifteen thousand people have been invited to this. Um, Harper's is hosting uh, an event that T.J. Duckett started, and he's donating money to. I he I don't remember exactly. It's a, like a society. Um, he from ten thirty until twelve thirty at Harper's. If you guys would like to head out there, T.J. Duckett will be there, and he will buy be buying everyone's drinks for the night. So it's this Thursday night. It's his little Halloween bash. They say costumes are recommended. Um, <laughs> but if you'd like to, you can head out there. T.J. Duckett will be there. You'd be able to see him. He was there. Um, I saw him Saturday. Yeah, you. Uh- Actually, yeah, you and Johnny both ran into TJ Duckett at Nacho Fest. We did. He was there. He was supporting us and everything, and he's just been walking around. So if you want to spend some time with TJ Duckett, go ahead and head out to Harper's Thursday night at 1030, and he will be there. Oh, fantastic. does sound like a lot of fun. It does. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe I mean, Johnny calls me. He's like, I just, TJ Duckett, just met this guy. I'm like, what's going on out there? I'm like, I'm just sitting at home with my daughter, just like watching this game and like, T.J. Duckett, okay. Like, right. I mean, oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's, great. that's phenomenal. I mean, you know, next maybe Mateen Cleaves will show up at uh, something, you know, during the basketball season. Right. But um, you know what? We're going to take actually a quick break right now, a little earlier than normal, but I don't want to start a new topic and take a break in four minutes. So we're going to take a quick break after when we get back. We're going to talk a little uh, Detroit Lions World Series preview and that controversial call this weekend in the NFL. This is the Spartan Sports Rep. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sitter Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. And Megan, you had something during the break that you said you wanted to bring up? Yes, I did. Um, I mean, we'll probably talk more about it on Monday because we already talked about this, but I went to the Izone camp out on Friday night and we had the basketball team there and it just made me so excited. I just wanted to talk about it. Right I now. know. Two in the pre- two preseason in the poll. Right. And um, next Tuesday is their first game against Saginaw Valley at 7 and I am so excited for the season while they were talking and everything. We had Izzo up there and I mean, we got Corey. 
uh, Corey Lucius, Kaylin Lucas, Draymond Green, Alvin Rowe, Jarrell Summers. We got them all coming back this year. And I mean, he was talking about, I don't exactly remember who he said. I know Kaylin Lucas was thinking about going pro yep. and everything. We had a few players thinking about going pro that stayed another year. Yep, and I right. am so excited about this season. And I know we'll talk about it more Monday because their first game is next Tuesday. But I just wanted to get everyone ready for that and as excited as I am right now. I know. I, I'm, I'm definitely just as excited. I didn't know their season was starting, actually, uh, this uh, next week. I thought it was going to actually in a couple weeks. But uh, I am just as excited as you. This is uh, going to be a phenomenal year of college basketball, as always. And like Draymond and them are saying, anything less than a national championship this year, right. they think it's a disappointment. That's what he said. And uh, it's going to be a great season, but we will get to that next week, do uh, more of a preview of the season. Because, uh, you know, right now, we still got a week away, and it's actually perfect time to do that for next Monday. And I do have season tickets. Season so tickets? So I will be at every game. Jeez. Well, if you can't make one, definitely let me know. Okay. I, I will take that ticket. All right. All right. So I, only went, I went to one game last year. It was against Penn State. Which, right. I mean, it was good, but it was one game. I was on TV last year. TV? <laughs> I'm on radio now. I was on now TV you're on TV. Okay. You see, you're going to leave the show. Big superstar. Yeah, just watch for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the Detroit Lions real fast. Uh, they did not play this week. They had a bye week, which, thank God, they had a bye week because mm. uh, they were uh, they're hurting. They're pretty injured right now. And actually, on Halloween Day, they will be playing the Washington Redskins at 1 p.m. at Ford Field. Uh, should be a very interesting game. Uh, the Washington Redskins right now, they're 4-3. and three. They just came off a nice win, a very tough win against uh, Chicago. Uh, it was 17-14. They just beat Chicago at Soldier Field this weekend. So they're coming off a win. And actually, uh, Jay Cutler, I'm sorry. I just I have to bring this up. Jay Cutler, uh, ever since he started dating this Kristen Cavallari girl, mm. He's it's my friend. I can't take credit for this. My friend said he thinks his brain just turned to jello. Uh, he threw four picks to the same guy. This Sunday, all four picks went to Hall, which I think is hilarious. Uh, I'm sorry. I just can't laugh enough about it because I never liked Jake Cutler. I know I talk bad about him on the show. I can't really stand the kid. And uh, they just look – it's just – I think it's funny. I just had to say how funny I thought that was. And uh, like, But focusing on the game, yes. okay, getting back to seriousness. Um, <laughs> The Redskins this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a, a, this is actually the first game that uh, Matt Stafford is, he's expected to start, uh, especially after Sean Hill broke his left forearm last week, which you know that stinks. I mean, but Drew Stanton is still around, and uh, Drew Stanton will be our number two until Sean Hill gets healthy. And it's exciting to see Stafford coming back. I'm really looking forward to see how this kid looks, see what he's got. Um, we've only seen a half a football from him. I mean, not even a half of football, really. I mean, we've seen like a quarter and a half of football from him. So, I mean, it's just, you wonder how he's going to come out. I know everyone's been saying, oh, if we only had Stafford, this team would be, you know, right now we'd be like three, you know, two and three. Or we'd be three and two. Well, you can't really say. I mean, you don't know. He hasn't played a full game even yet. I mean, it's just, it's really a big question mark. I'm not going to say whether he's going to be good or bad. I really, I can't even predict that. The kid's been out for seven weeks. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, he should be fully healthy. The I guy, so. I mean, he only had a left sprained shoulder, and I'm not trying to say that that's a little injury, but it's not like he broke anything. Right. It's not like he, you know, just completely obliterated his ACL. So hopefully, this guy is 100. percent And the Lions need a W. Uh, this do. team is one in five right now, and I know we talked about it last week. Uh, they lost a close game to the New York Giants, 28 to 20, and you know, they, their one win they do have this season is a good win. 44-6 to against the Rams. They just obliterated the Rams. But you need to win this game. The Lions lose this game. They're going to be 1-7. Hands down when they go into Week 10. They have to play the New York Jets after Washington. 
And you're not going to beat the New York Jets. I don't care that you're at home. The New York Jets are one of the top five best teams right now, in my opinion, in the NFL. And you are not going to beat them. Now, real fast, if you had any opinions on our Detroit Lions, give us a call, 517-432-3893. That's 517-432-3893. Let me know what you think the Lions are going to be looking like this week because, you know, they did come off a tough loss to New York. Uh, they played a pretty decent game yet again. I always, close but no cigar, it's the Lions motto. And, uh, you know, they need to win this game. Washington's a beatable team. They're not a fantastic team. Uh, you know, right now, actually, I mean, if you want to look at passing yards, the Lions actually rank seventh overall in the NFL and passing. They really have shown they can air the ball out. Now, unfortunately, over the last few weeks, they are 31st in rushing yards. They have 79 yards average a game. They have fallen off the map ever since Javid Best got that turf toe. He just hasn't been the same. He just hasn't been himself, and we really don't have any. I mean, Kevin Smith, he hasn't been taking care of business, and they just haven't looked. Their running game is just completely, it's just done, it seems like. But if you want to talk about what the Redskins struggle with, the Redskins are giving up almost 300 yards passing to their opponents right now. They rank 31st in the league. So that bodes well for us. Let's hurt them through the air. Stafford's got a great arm, and that's how we're going to have to burn this team. Because, again, like I said, the Redskins are not a fantastic team. You know, they've won some close games. They beat Green Bay in overtime a couple weeks ago. They lost a tight one to Indy two weeks ago. You know, they still they lost to the Rams. I mean, we beat them. Okay, so, I mean, they lost to the Rams 30-16. to And, you know, they lost an OT to the Texans. You know, Redskins are definitely a better team than us, obviously. But at the same time, they're beatable. We're at home. McNabb, he, you know, he hasn't looked fantastic. He's looked all right. Teams looked, like I said, they looked all right in general. The Redskins, they even looked great. The Lions can win this game. Yeah, I don't want to see another Vikings game or another Green Bay game. No. We just, like, no. we can win, and then we have the game handed to us. Here's your win. Take it. Right like, here. It's right here. <laughs> and just blow it. I mean, if this is a, if this is a winnable game, win. Do it. I mean, that, that sounds like the most, like... I don't know. It cliche, sounds easy cliche, to say, yes. The most cliche advice, but you can't screw up that many times and play that many close games and lose. You're starting to sound like the old old Spartans. We turned it around. We did. Well, <laughs> yeah, the Lions, uh, they, yeah, 44 years of misery. Right. That's all I can say. Even Barry Sanders' days, misery. Because he won one playoff game in 44 years. I mean, I, there's nothing else I can say say about that. It's disgusting. Right. And you know what really upsets me this year is the fact that if you look at the NFC North, this division, it's very winnable. I mean, the, Chicago's on top of the division right now. They're four and three. Green Bay's four and three. Minnesota's two and four. We're one and five. If you could two more wins, this team's right there. This team is right there, honestly, to have a chance at winning the division. This division is not playing out like it seemed like it was going to. Everyone thought Green Bay Super Bowl contenders. They're barely fi- they're barely over five hundred. Minnesota, Brett Favre's coming back. They're going to be it. They're two and four. They just lost last night on Sunday Night Football mm-hmm. to Green Bay. You know, which was a real close game. Brett Favre actually right now he's got two fractures in his right ankle. So Brad Favre could be done for a while. Wow. And after throwing three picks in the second half last night and Brad Childress chiding Brad Favre in his post-game press conference, things aren't looking good out there in Minnesota. I really th- did think Minnesota was going to turn it around. But after last night was that game. That was, a, that was a huge game. It was a deciding game, in my opinion, almost for both of these teams to see how the rest of the season was going to go. And Minnesota, they're laying on their back. They're like a turtle on their back. They don't know what to do. you got all these allegations with Brett Favre and the lewd photos. I was an ask you about that actually yeah the lewd photos which he's denied the lewd photos he's actually admitted to the, voice the voicemails. voicemails if you've admitted to one 
Admit to chances. Both. Well, chances are the other one is true. Right. I can't. It's alleged. I can't say that that's for sure, but most Thank likely, you. it's Seriously. most likely true. My, I've fought with so many people about this. They're like, "Oh no, he's innocent. He's innocent." I was like, "Okay, he started off not admitting to either of them. Yep. He's now admitted to one. Okay, it's just a matter of time before he's finally like." I did the other one too. Yeah, it's I mean, only a it, matter of time, or or basically until it just comes out. Until right. I mean, because the thing is, I guess from what I hear, the photos they can't, you know, they can't tell exactly that it's Brett Favre, and it's basically you know her word against his. But at the same time, I agree with you. If it you know looks like it and smells like it, it is it. <laughs> And I think that's what this is right, right here. I mean, I, yeah, I've always liked Brett Favre. I mean, even his, his his old diva attitude. I mean, it annoys me. You know, I'm coming back. I'm not coming back. I'm crying on TV. Oh, I'm coming back. I'm not coming. Yeah, that, that that annoys me. But at the same time, you know what? He probably did this. I mean, if anyone, I don't know if you've looked at a picture of this girl from the Jets that he actually, she is, I have to say, I'm. she is beautiful. She's absolutely gorgeous. And uh, I think Brett got a little bored out there in New York. And uh, unfortunately for his wife, I think, uh, you know, became a little dirty man for yep. a little while. I mean, and it'll all come out. It really will. Yeah. And just give it time. Like you said, if he's already admitted now to the voicemails after denying this stuff before, it's a matter of time before, I mean... I, mean, I feel bad for his wife. His wife's sticking by him and saying, "I'm, right. you know, I got faith here. Faith's propelling me." Well, faith does not cure a uh, cheating husband. Uh, faith only gets you so far, right. and that's unfortunate. You know, sorry, uh, Mrs. Favre, but uh, you know, moving back to the Detroit Lions real fast. The Lions, like I said, this is a must-win game for them. They can't get one in six. If they go one in six, like I said, they're guaranteed one in seven. And I, I, they, I think they will win that game week ten at Buffalo. I picked that in the preseason. That is a win. But once you're one and seven, there is no salvation left in the season. When you're one and seven, I mean, honestly, you might as well start thinking about to tank the whole season so you can get a high draft pick. One and seven. I mean, I, I get it. You have half a season left. You do. Ha- you have eight games. But looking at those eight games, you know, New England, Tampa Bay, which is looking better than I thought they'd ever be, Miami. Even still, Minnesota, Chicago, I mean, Dallas, just not, none of these games jump out to me as easy wins. You need, to get, you need to win your games at home. You need to at least take care of home field right now, and that's what, you, that's what they have to do with Washington here. It's a winnable game. Stafford's coming back. I hope, he, I, hope he's, yeah, I hope he looks good. I hope he looks like the Stafford we saw towards the end of last season to a point because this kid needs to stay healthy. He got injured last year again with the shoulder thing. He needs to stay healthy. I want to see him come out, look strong. You know, let's get you know, let's get Calvin going again. Let's get Brandon, Brandon Pettigrew going. And I hope Javid Best, his toe is actually okay. That turf toe of his has really stunted this running game. This kid was phenomenal. The first two weeks, the guy had five touchdowns, most of any rookie since 1960. And now, I mean, really, the kid, you know, nothing. I mean, I, excuse me, he only has got four touchdowns rushing. He's got one passing, uh, one receiving. So, I mean. Basically, the Lions, it's a winnable game, guys. I always root for you. I will be watching this game, and it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be a, you know, possibly a little lower scoring game. It's going to be in the 20s, somewhere around there. It's not going to be your 17 kind of 14 kind of game, but again, I really hope the Lions pull this off. They need this win. They're not beating. You will not beat the New York Jets the next week. You will not. That will not happen. You need to win this game. You go to 1 and 7. Again, there's no salvation for the season. There's just none. You're basically going to prove me right. I don't want to be right. Four wins this season, I don't want to be right. Trust me. All right? I want to see them do better. But at the same time, one and seven, I'm sorry for all you fans out there. Start to kiss this season goodbye. Let's get ready for next season again. 
Because that's what it's looking like. Mm-hmm. But we're going to move past the Detroit Lions. Because there wasn't much to say. <laughs> I mean, it's the Lions. I have more fun talking about Favre, actually. <laughs> but um, what I do want to talk about right now is a controversial call that happened this weekend. For all of you football fans out there, if anyone was watching the Steelers-Miami game this weekend, there was a, it was a crazy end to this game, basically. Uh, the Steelers were down on the two-yard line. It was third and two. There was about like two and a half minutes left, two minutes, 20-some seconds left roughly in the game. And Ben Roethlisberger, you know, basically stumbles in, runs in for a a touchdown, which was first signaled a touchdown. But Roethlisberger had coughed up the ball as well. And then a scrum ensued, and the Dolphins linebacker, Akiaka Alma Francis. I'm sorry if I butchered that name, Alma Francis. I really don't know how to say it. But Alma Francis is what I'll call you for the rest of the show. And he came out of the ball with the pile. And he says, quote, All I heard was white ball, white ball, white ball, said Alma Francis, referring to the referees calling out Miami's jersey color to signal who recovered the football. Now, linebackers Channing Crowder and Carlos Dansby also said referees informed them on the field that it was clear Alma Francis recovered. But during an interview with a pool reporter after the game, Sterator, who was the who was the head umpire, who was the head referee, contradicted what the players said they were being told on the field. Sterator said, quote, It was a pile of bodies in there, and you don't have a clear recovery. The referee then explained that because it was originally ruled a touchdown, it would require clear video evidence during the review of the play to rule it was a fumble and rule that Miami recovered it. But, although video evidence indicated that Roethlisberger fumbled, it did not conclusively indicate who recovered the football. And even though referees on the field told players that they had recovered the ball, their perception on the field was no longer taken into account because it had gone to a booth review. Now, after all that, that actually comes out of a story out of the Miami Herald I was reading. Basically, here's my problem with it. Whatever happened to logic, whatever happened to just... I mean, you know, it says it right here in the article, and I agree. It says right here, in other words, by following proper protocol, Sterator was forced to throw logic out the window rather than being able to trust the eyes of the on-field officials. So just because it was ruled a touchdown, they had to, you know, so they go to the booth to review, okay, it wasn't a touchdown. It was a fumble. He fumbled the ball before he broke the plane of the end zone. All right. We all knew Miami recovered that ball. But video evidence... You know, since it was it was like a rugby scrum, everyone's on top of each other. No one knew who had the ball. And the problem with this whole thing is, is that usually when there's a fumble, you know, as you've seen in many football games, the ref will pull player off by player until you get to the bottom of that pile and see who has the ball. But the problem with this whole thing is, is the system of the replay. It's the system of this is that it's taking out the logic of the situation. I understand that we have replay, and replay replay is vital. It's obviously vital here because he didn't score a touchdown. He fumbled the ball. But what happens after the fact? Now, I will say, I don't believe that this was a game-ender for Miami. Because after, you know, the Steelers got the ball back, because they could not actually completely, conclusively determine that Miami recovered it, the Steelers got the ball back. It was fourth and two. They kicked the field goal. And they they were up 22 to 20 at that point, with about two minutes and 20 seconds left or so. Now, this, this did not end the game for Miami. This wasn't a last-second play. But at the same time, it really puts them in a tough spot. I just have a problem with what happened to just logic in sports. Why do we have to follow the rules of replay to such a T that we disregard 
what refs, what the refs on the field, what they're doing. They're doing their job. When you have refs informing players on the field that, yeah, you know what, Alma Francis, he, he got the ball. White ball, white ball, white ball. But then when they have to go to the booth and they say, hey, well, we couldn't tell, you know, because the ref never pulled the players off the guys. We don't know. I mean, honestly, Megan, real fa- I mean, what do you think about this whole situation? Like, just, it's just, it's such a ridiculous, you know, moment. I just, it upsets me. It just, it confuses me. I just, I, again, it's the NFL and I don't understand what's going on. It seems like week after week, there's some kind of call. There's some kind of rule I've never heard of. And I've been watching football my whole life. I just don't get this. I mean, I know you didn't see this play, but just from what you just heard, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? There's, If we want to go into the whole replay thing, we've had so much controversy in replay in every single sport lately, um, especially with like pulling in replay perhaps into baseball yeah. and then having replay you know, in football already and everything. And it's just, it's. I feel like they're relying so much on replay nowadays rather than, as you were saying, the eyes of the officials. Just logic, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I think it's killing the sports, honestly. Because um, they're just... I don't know. It's they can't do anything for themselves anymore. They rely on technology nowadays to be able to tell them what they need to call and what they need to do. Yeah, it's like they shouldn't even have the job anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, the stupid thing was, in my opinion, is that okay? Yeah, it was ruled a touchdown on the field. I understand that. At the same time, you pull all those guys off like you would do on any play where you can, might consider the ball fumbled, and you find out who has the ball. Right. Okay, and then yeah, you go to the booth and you realize, wait a minute, it wasn't touchdown. He fumbled it, and guess who picked it up? It was Miami. Simple as that. There shouldn't be this. Well, just well because it was ruled a touchdown. We didn't che- we didn't check to see who had the ball at the bottom of this pile. And video evidence, of course, video evidence isn't going to let you show what happened. There was like fifteen guys on top of each other. You're not going to know who has the ball at the bottom of that pile. Right. But when you have refs telling players on the Dolphins that they had possession of it, and then the old territory's going to say, "Well, hey, I'm sorry. You know, the replay is not conclusive, so we have to award the ball back." Now, I like Tony Sperano, who's the head coach of Miami. I like his comments. He says, quote, I mean, it was a big play in the game, but it shouldn't have come down to that. He said, we had plenty of opportunities to win that football game. And that's quite true. They had five field goals in that game. If one of those had been a touchdown, this wouldn't have mattered. You know, if my and then again, when Miami had the ball still with over two minutes left, which is a decent amount of time, they only gained four yards and went three and out on, you know, went three and out during their series on their final possession. You know, they could they could have stuck it to the refs and said, hey, you know, what? we're going to drive down at least at about the the 30 yard line, 35 yard line. We're going to kick a field goal. We're going to win this game because we deserve it. It's just it's again, I think it's just when replay is great, replay is effective in many ways. But replay should not always be the be all the end all mm-hmm. at to a point. There needs to be that logic instilled in the game that has been around for generations before we ever had all these camera angles and had all these different reviews, you know, whatever happened to just the refs calling it as they have seen it. Yes, the replay determined it was a fumble. I agree. Okay, it was a fumble. But we need to get it correct after the fact. We can't get that wrong just because, well, dictated by the rules, well, you know, it, we, we can't actually check to see, you know, we hit, uh, stop this. It, it, it's irritating. I think we get it too often. And there's a there, now there's a play that I did not actually see, and I can't really get into it. I will for all you football fans out there. I, I actually I heard in the Bills and Ravens game there was a similar there was a call with a touchdown catch, and the guy got one foot in bounds, and his other foot landed on the defensive player and never touched the turf, so mm-hmm. he was ruled out of bounds. 
I can't really give any information on that, but again, I don't know what's going on in the NFL anymore, and I guess that's my point. Week to week, whether you want to say Calvin Johnson, process of the catch, you know, this going on right here, the Buffalo, you know, Bills, Raven, what's going on? I can't understand the game anymore, and it's getting very irritating. But since we have 10 minutes left, I'm going to get off this. Let's talk a little baseball. The World Series is kicking off here real soon, and that is something that actually I'm happy about, <laughs> actually excited about. Uh, this is going to be, in my opinion, a great World Series. It's going to be fantastic. It's not, Neither of the two teams that I picked are in it. I don't care. <laughs> I picked the, Actually, I picked the Yankees. I picked the Phils, but it's not them. We have the San Francisco Giants and the Texas Rangers. Uh, going to be a heck of a series. The series kicks off Wednesday night at 7.57. Always these awkward start times in baseball. It's kind of yeah, 7.57, 8.54. I don't know why. It's funny. It is kind of funny. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they kick off Wednesday. And uh, San Francisco has home field advantage. They will play the first two games in San Francisco. The next three will be in Texas. And the next two back in San Francisco. So... Right now, Megan, who do you think is going to win the series? Oh, like we talked about earlier, I said Texas. Texas. I agree. I, I definitely agree. Um, I think Texas, how can you go against Cliff Lee, I guess is my bottom line. Cliff Lee, who's been a postseason beast. This guy hasn't lost in the postseason yet. He's got an ERA below one and a half. He's absolutely phenomenal out there. And that's, that's going to be your first matchup. Cliff Lee versus Tim Lincecum. It's going to be a great game. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic series. I do have to go with Texas, though. I think their bats, uh, they, they've just been hitting the ball, lights out all series. They showed it against the Yankees. You know, they showed it in the first series against the Rays. They've just been hitting all, they've been hitting all postseason. And, you know, they're pitching just, they're, I mean, both, both, uh, both clubs have great pitching. Cliff Lee, Tim Lincecum, you can look at Sanchez and Kane for the Giants, you know, Wilson and Hunter for the Rangers. They both have great pitching, but Cliff Lee, if this guy, if this series goes long, this guy's going to pitch twice, and I just don't see how you can't go against Cliff Lee. And real fast, a little insight for all of you fans, because this is this is a series of underdogs. This is what they're calling it, and I agree. This is just two underdogs that no one expected. No one saw this one coming. And basically, for all of you history buffs out there, the last time the Giants actually won the World Series was 1954. Long time ago. This is when they were the New York Giants. They had not even moved to San Francisco yet. The Giants actually moved to San Francisco at the start of the 58 season, and that's uh, where they've been since. But 1954, and for all of you really old timers out there, this, and even for even for the not the old timers, everyone who's seen, everyone has seen this catch. This was the famous 1954 World Series at the Polo Grounds. Willie Mays made the catch, a dramatic over-the-shoulder grab, fly ball hit by Vic Wirtz. Deep center field. Game was tied 2-2 two two in the eighth inning. Men were on first and second. Nobody out. But after that, they stole the momentum right away from Cleveland. They won game one and ended up sweeping the series. But since then, you know, they actually, the last times they've been back to the World Series, they lost in 62, they lost in 89, and they lost in 2002. So it's been a while for the Giants. The Rangers have never been to the World Series. They hadn't even won a postseason series until they beat Tampa Bay. And obviously they've won their second one now, beating the New York Yankees. But like I've said, I have to go with the Rangers. I mean, how can you not, right? The Rangers are looking fantastic. Uh, they really are. 
I think it's it's just going to be a phenomenal series. I just I, I love the matchup, and you know what? This might not be Bud Selig's favorite matchup. I know you're going to be hearing this ratings stuff, you know, during this whole World Series. I think the ratings are going to be pretty good. I like seeing good baseball. I don't really care what the name of the team is. I just want to see good baseball. I mean, it's bottom line. I love seeing great pitching. I don't want to, I don't care to see games, honestly, usually that are 10 to 9, 12 to 8, just high score and shootouts almost. I love seeing it when a pitcher just locks down a whole rotation and just takes over a game, like we've seen Cliff Lee do, like we've seen Tim Lincecum do. This entire playoffs has been built, honestly, around the pitcher, more or less. And the whole in the whole season in general, Halliday, the no hitter, and you know the first, in the postseason, it's fantastic. I just love great baseball, and great pitching to me is great baseball, and that's what you're going to get here in this World Series. And you know what? You still will get the bats. Like I said, Texas, they've been hitting the ball well. They've been hitting the ball real well. Nelson Cruz, Vlad Guerrero, Ian Kinsler, all these guys are stepping up. And let's not count out the Giants. Guys like Cody Ross, this this kid's phenomenal. Buster Posey, this this rookie catcher, this kid's great. He is great. Okay, they're getting it done. This is going to be a great series. So screw all you guys out there that just want the Yankees and the Phillies and these marquee teams always out there. Listen, the Phillies they were they were already in two World Series. They were in last year's and the year before. Let's give them. Let's let's have a break of the Phillies. I'm tired of the Phillies. I have to admit, I do like the Yankees, but I'm not sad at all that the Yankees didn't make it there. Okay, I, it's it's more exciting to me to see a team like Texas, who's never had that opportunity, get there, and let's see if they can close the deal. Let's see if they can finally get it done. Let's see if Ron Washington can get these guys to do it for one more series. Because to me, this is this is what makes baseball the underdogs. I always root for the underdogs. Let's root for them here. This is going to be a great series. So if you want to check it out, starts on Wednesday at San Francisco, seven fifty-seven. It's going to be a heck of a series. It's going to be some good baseball. And you know what? Get your fill if you're a baseball fan because we're not going to see it for a while. Give it a week and a half, not even. Baseball will be gone for months. And you're going to have to wait all the way till March for spring March for spring, for spring, spring training. Excuse me. So let's enjoy it while it's here. All right. Well, let's see. We've got six minutes left or so. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, why not? Let's get to the interesting facts. At least a few. At least a couple. I mean, we got six minutes. I'm going to talk very slow, so it just takes a while. Okay, but let's start with our first one. All right, the first fact. All right, this is uh, actually, um, this fact that I just let everyone know, these are about places. Just different places in the country, just weird things. Just okay. weird old things with places. Okay. Uh, I find it interesting. Buckingham Palace has over 600 rooms. That is a huge place. I mean, 600 rooms, what are they doing? How do they even... What's going on in all these rooms? Uh, wait, you think they have people staying at, but like, just so many people staying at Buckingham Palace, like they rent it out like a hotel? I don't know. I don't think we want to know what happens in those rooms either. <laughs> no, of course I don't really know. But <laughs> six hundred rooms. I'm just impressed. All right, this is a good one. All right, Central Park, which is in New York, has 125 drinking fountains in it. Wow. Some thirsty people in Central Park. <laughs> hey, you're walking through your park. Might as well, well. I mean, you know, I've never had the privilege of actually going to New York. I would love to go to Central Park. But um, obviously, I mean, it probably seems like a beautiful place to run, bike, just do anything runners. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it got, it's got to be fantastic. It's got to be just beautiful. There's so a good thing they're keeping their people hydrated <laughs> out there in New York. I like to see that. Yep. All right. Here's another good one. All right. Cemetery du Pois 
la chance. I'm, I don't speak French. Except I did it. You French. I did it as best I could. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying over here. Okay. <laughs> but this is located, obviously, it's in Paris, and is the most visited cemetery in the world. The cemetery opened in 1805 and has over one million people buried there, including rock star Jim Morrison. I was going to say, is that where Jim Morrison is? And that is why. <laughs> okay, I was going to say that's why. And that's why everyone goes there. <laughs> Which, I mean, again, that would be an amazing place to check out. That would be awesome. Every year, an igloo hotel is built in Sweden that has the capacity to sleep 100 people. A real igloo? Yes, a real igloo. igloo that yeah, I've actually I've heard of these places. I've actually checked this out. Yeah, they just build it completely out of ice, and it's like an ice hotel. Oh, my gosh. And you can stay at the ice hotel. It seems awesome. I th- I th- it seems expensive. Oh, yes, definitely <laughs> expensive. And <laughs> I wouldn't want some you know big heat wave to come through while I'm sleeping there. Right. But uh, that seems, that seems that so seems, cool. That is really cool. Just so cool. You kind of bundled up, but I've seen pictures of it inside. It's just amazing. Wow. It's crazy. All right, let's see. Frank Watherman was the last prisoner to leave Alcatraz prison on March 21st, 1963. And then they closed her down. I don't know if I would think of that as an achievement. Not really. Hey, I'm in prison. I get to go. See you later. Was he just the last one walked out the door? I like, I mean, like, last prisoner, like, they marching him out. And he's right. the last one, or... I don't. I, I mean, so many technical sides to that. He's got something going for him, mm-hmm. but he, he's no Birdman of Alcatraz. He never escaped from Alcatraz. Oh, that's true. All right. So from 1939 to 1942, there was an undersea post office in the Bahamas. How? I don't know, but that's awesome. Like, that is absolutely awesome. Do they like swim around in giant bubbles so their mail doesn't get? Didn't the mail wet? get really wet? <laughs> I mean, how did packages? How did how did letters survive? Giant bubbles or something? Maybe they just something. some huge like box, just a steel plated <laughs> box that's just locked and it's waterproof, and like submarine material. I can't metal. believe it lasted three years. I wonder how many complaints this post office received. Snail mail. Yeah, I mean, it was during the war. You know, it was during World War Two, so maybe this was an easier way to kind of get mail around in the Bahamas. I don't to know. hide their mail. Yeah, keep it down and not want to look underwater, right? No. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, Hawaii's Mount Walaleel. I, I, again, I'm sorry, Hawaiian Hawaii people. I butchered that one. Uh, it's the wettest place in the world. It rains throughout the year and about 460 inches per year. Hmm. That's that's a lot of rain. That's I mean, that's got to be depressing. <laughs> Hey, yeah, it's raining again today. Yeah, it's like Seattle or something, right? Just always raining. London. Yeah, just just dreary. No wonder people are depressed around these areas. Right. Like, you know, you never see the sun. But it's Hawaii. It is Hawaii. They should just be happy yeah, to be in Hawaii, drive right? Hawaii. That's rainy, but it's probably just sunny while it's raining in Hawaii, so that's just rain. There you go. Alright, let's see. Ho Ho Coos, a small town in New Jersey, is the only town in the United States of America that has only that has two dashes in its name. So it's Ho Dash Ho Dash Coos. When I first read this, I thought it was some kind of some town in Japan or just some town in No, it's New Jersey. Ho Ho Coos. Uh, it, I just, it just reminds me of Ho-Ho's. Yeah. Reminds me of, like, little treats that people can eat. I wonder how Lily, little Debbie's doing out there in yeah, New Jersey. Right? I wonder how many jokes that, a day that you get oh. in Ho-Ho-Coos about the name of that town. Or Santa Claus. <laughs> All right, let's see. we got 30 seconds. Two more. In 1785, the city of Paris removed bones from cemeteries to ease the overflow of dead people. They took these bones and stacked them in tunnels now known as the catacombs. You can, vi- you can visit these tunnel attractions and work your way along, along long corridors, which which are stacked with skulls and bones. That's creepy. I've always wanted to check out the catacombs. It's just a trippy place. It's the idea behind it. It's just, yeah, like they, you know, just had such an overflow of just dead people that 
they Go stack they stack bones in you know underground. It's just kind of crazy. All right, and the last one in Czechoslovakia, there's a church that has a chandelier made out of human bones. I guess they had no other way to make a chandelier in Czechoslovakia, so they just. <laughs> It's a fun way to do it, I guess. It, it's a great way. But listen, we're out of time here. It's been a great show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, my name is Dave Harinkiu. And my name is Megan. Check out next week the Spartan Sports Wrap here at 7 to 8 p.m. Have a good night. Listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89 FM.